0: And now I'll introduce Heather Conway, CEO, Edelman Canada, and in the interest of full disclosure, my boss. (laughs) As CEO of Edelman Canada, Heather is responsible for overseeing more than 130 staff in the company's three regional offices in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. Edelman Canada is one of the country's top PR firms working on strategic communications, mandates for leading Canadian and international brands. Recognized as one of Canada's most accomplished marketing and communications executives, Heather previously served as Executive Vice President of Marketing, Creating Services, Public Affairs, and Affiliate Marketing at Alliance Atlantis. Prior to that, she was Executive Vice President of Corporate and Public Affairs at TD Bank Financial Group. She was the first woman in the bank's history to hold the title of EVP. Please welcome Heather Conway.
1: Thanks, John. Uh, Let me add my thanks uh, to the Canadian Club and to all of you for being here today. It is my pleasure to introduce you to my boss, the President and CEO of Edelman Worldwide, Richard Edelman. Richard joins us today, uh, not long after presenting the findings from the 2010 Trust Barometer at the World Economic Forum in Davos. The Trust Barometer, for those of you who aren't aware, is an international study of trust and credibility that's provided decades worth of insights for businesses, governments, and others, and has proven to be an invaluable tool for leaders to better understand themselves, their role, and the worlds in which they operate. While not a pollster by training, I don't think, I can tell you that Richard has an intimate and passionate understanding of numbers, and not just polling numbers. I can tell you, as a CEO of his business here in Canada, he has a very, very very keen interest in profit numbers as well trust me richard they're all good and thank goodness trust in ceos is up this year richard has been named one of the most influential people in public relations in the world he has counseled ceos from some of the world's largest companies on some of the biggest issues facing us his blog six a m receives more than two thousand visitors a day we are very pleased to have him here with us today in toronto ladies and gentlemen richard edelman
2: Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm uh, owning the podium for the next uh, (laughs) half hour. Bad joke. Um, You'd expect Americans to make that joke. But um, my subject today actually is uh, an area that uh, Canada, surprisingly, does own the podium. Do you know that of the G8 countries, trust in business trust in business in Canada is the highest among all the G8 countries? Did you know that uh, trust in chief executives of all the G8 countries is highest in Canada? I bet you you're surprised. I was. (laughs) Um, And in a way, it's this silent revolution that I want to talk to you about today. Um, Because the predisposition that you have if you're an American is Our socialist neighbors to the north, you know, we free marketers, boisterous, successful, and, you know, the reality is quite the contrary, quite the contrary. Um, Quietly, Canada's had a revolution in the last decade, and I'm going to show you the data, and then you can ask me questions about it, but I am here to tell you that, in fact, you do own the podium. What happens on Sunday night is another thing. We'll see. (laughs) I won't tell you who I'm rooting for for purposes of survival, at least until I leave. Um, Okay, so uh, the Edelman Trust Barometer. We've been doing this for a decade. Um, We talk to uh, so-called opinion leaders, uh, 22 countries. Um, We do this uh, every January for Davos. Um, We talk to people in the top 25% of income, college-plus educated, People who are so-called media attentive, three to four media a day, interested in public issues. So it's a fairly select group. It's not a mass audience, let me just reiterate that. So what um, have we found over a decade of uh, research? Well, first was the power of NGOs, the power of civil society. We found that in fact in Europe, um, they were the most trusted institution, well ahead of government, well ahead of business. then, uh, with the uh, problems of Enron, Global Crossing, Garth Drabinsky, I could keep going, um, we had the fall of celebrity CEOs. But it was easy to say that those were all the concept companies. Those were the sort of new era go-go's. The mainstream of business has it going just fine. Don't worry, we're in charge. The middle part of the decade um, saw two phenomena. one, was the rise of a person like yourself as a credible source with the advent of everything from Facebook, MySpace, et cetera, you started to see an increasing reliance on friends, family, peers. So instead of the primary method of communicating being top-down, it started to be horizontal, it started to be peer-to-peer. We also saw in the end of the decade the real surge in trust in business, well ahead of government in most of the markets that we observed. And so you may remember a cover story in Fortune Magazine that had the big fist of business saying, business is back. Ah, yes. Weren't those the glory days? Hmm. Well, a few short months later, um, September 15th, 2008, I remember it well, because I lived in New York and um, you saw people walking out of Lehman Brothers literally five blocks north of our office on Times Square with boxes because they were toast Um, and so were people at AIG and Citigroup and General Motors and RBS and a lot of others and trust in business plummeted at an incredible rate and the consequences are still to be determined so What did we find this year? Let me give you some general global observations. Trust in business has come up. It is, however, fragile. The other observation we would make is that trust in business generally is higher than that of government. So it used to be that if business trust went up, government trust went down. You know, vice versa, sort of the seesaw effect, not the case now. You see coincident moves. But in 18 of the 22 markets, business is more trusted than government. The only markets not, China, Singapore, Abu Dhabi, and I forget the fourth. But um, it's basically, you know, regimes where you better say you like government. Um, (laughs) The other point that I want you to remember as I go through this data set is, We used to think that corporate reputation was premised on making the numbers and having a charismatic chief executive. That is no longer the case. Today, it is quality products and services, a company I can trust, and a company whose business I understand. Transparency. Therefore, if you're in banking doing proprietary trading, which means, Amanda and I are doing an off-exchange deal because I'm an oil company and she's a bank and no one has to know what we're doing. It doesn't work well. It may work well for her and for me because we both make money. It's not acceptable. Proprietary is a bad word. Something that we understand is a good word. And the last point and most important thing that I want you to take away from today, we have emerged out of this crisis as a stakeholder society, no longer simply a shareholder society. For those of you trained in the canons of Milton Friedman, that the sole social responsibility of business is to make profit, that is an outmoded theory. We are now in the time, as Indra Noy of PepsiCo says, of performance with purpose, both. You have to do both. You have to show that business is adding to social welfare, not just to making its bottom line. It's a very Canadian concept. You start to listen to this, you hear this, and you see why, in a sense, maybe Canada has the right business model. So as I've told you, trust is up, but trust is fragile. And I want to tell you how trust is up. So Canada's trust in institutions generally parallels that of other major Western nations. You know, more or less you have Uh, NGOs in the high 50s, business in the mid-50s, government around 48, 49, media at around 38%. So no big news here. Sorry, just have to tell you the truth. Um, You're my friends, but I always have to tell you the truth. Um, What I want to show you, though, is the uh, tracker for uh, Canadian trusts and institutions over the years. Um, What you see is, in fact, that uh, NGOs have uh, always been the uh, highest-ranked institution in Canada. However, interestingly, for the uh, really first time, business is comparable to NGO trust. Business trust is at its highest point ever in Canada, give or take, you know, comparable to 2005, 2006. So, also note, Canada's trust in business did not have the parallel drop that was observed in the United States last year. Last year in the United States, there was a 19-point drop, the biggest we've ever seen in any market anywhere, so that American numbers were comparable to those of so-called old Europe, Germany, France. That's how low it got in the United States. It's recovered somewhat in the States. Then you see that government is quite below, you know, 48 49%, and media around 40 So basically, um, What we observe, oh so I didn't get to show you all those statistics. Now you see the whole picture. Now you see the five years. So um, let's look at Canadian trust in business um, comparable to the EU and the US. I think it's important to note that compared to UK, France, Germany, trust in business in Canada is well above because that would be sort of 36, 37. There are markets in Europe. For example, Holland, others, where trust in business is higher. Trust in the States has come back nicely in business. But importantly, what I wanna point out to you is, look at Canada over time, trust in business. I'll keep clicking. Here we go, all the slides. We did not observe the problem of the world financial crisis in Canada. Trust in business was not affected by the drop. This is a distinction from the United States. Canada has sailed through this quite unaffected. So here's the Enron. Here's the worldwide financial crisis. So, you know, there is a stability of trust in Canadian business that I'm not sure all of you are quite aware of. This is a very modest country, and you're particularly modest about your trust in business in Canada. You should be a little bit more braggadocio. Um, take it from an American. That's what we do. <laughs> uh, um, trust in uh, government is fairly stable in Canada um, year on year. Um, you'll note the Obama bump. I wonder if we had done this survey in January as opposed to have done, in, have done it in October pre the you know, healthcare imbroglio trust in government is off substantially in the United States in the last few months. I also want to show you that we now find interestingly a coincidence of trust levels in NGOs from the major economies around the world around the mid 50s. What's changed over time is Canada stayed pretty much high in the 50s. The US started very low in trust in NGOs and over a decade has come to mid 50s. China was is very low in the mid part of the decade has come absolutely straight up, so there's this coincidence uh, around the numbers mid 50s in trust in NGOs. So NGOs are truly the fifth estate in global governance. You've always known that in this country. It's not been the case south of the border or in Asia. It matters hugely now. If you're RIM and you're operating in China, you better pay attention to NGOs. They matter now. Now, the best news of all for the day. That Jersey with a maple leaf is hugely helpful to you if you are a global corporation operating outside of home borders and you don't make enough of it. Truthfully, um, being a Canadian company makes you the most trusted nationality of all around the world, equivalent to Swedish, German. And it's consistent. It's very consistent for Canadian companies. Look at this. All around the world, in almost every market, you're in the high 70s. You have to use this more. Stop selling yourselves as, oh, we're just brand X. Country of origin, well, we're not really, you know, we're, we're just one of those people we don't talk about, you know. Forget it. You're Canadian. That's a big thing. Put it on your jersey. That's helpful. Hugely helpful. Why? The concept of being a social, democratic, you know, stakeholder society embracing country is great now. This is no longer the time for the Anglo-Saxon, Anglo-American model of, you know, kick-ass capitalism. It's time for conscientious capitalism. That's the Canadian brand. Use it. Don't underplay it. Make an advantage of it. I sound like a messiah, but I'm not. So. In fact, um, let's go through, um, sorry, this is the chart that I should have had up while I was being Messiah. (laughs) But Messiahs don't need charts, right? (laughs) All right. So um, also, another secret sauce for Canadians. Your brand is associated with technology. Technology gives you not only the jersey, but the halo. And maybe your guys on Sunday will be wearing halos, because maybe that will help them win. But, bad joke, um, the, <laughs> I'm trying here. Um, the fact is, technology is the number one trusted sector in Canada and the number one trusted sector everywhere around the world. Everywhere around the world. Now, the second, third, fourth places vary substantially. But generally, it's tech, it's biotech, um, in some countries that associate automotive and energy with development. It's quite trusted. Energy, interestingly, for Canada, is a tremendous asset. We were talking before about um, the oil sands. It may not be so loved south of the border, for example. Um, You've got a sales job to do on that. Uh, as to the cleanliness thereof. Okay. Let's talk about banks. Um, a subject that your country knows quite a bit about. Um, The trust in banks over the last little while in the US, in France, in Germany, and the UK has collapsed. Collapsed. Banks were the third most trusted sector in the United States, 2007-2008. Today, ninth. Big surprise, I'm sure, all of you. Citigroup, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs. Um, But uh, what I want to show you is where it didn't collapse. In fact, where it went the other way. What is the one country in the world where trust in banks went up? Canada. It tells you something. It tells you about the remit. It tells you about the separation, perhaps, of... um, investment banking and commercial banking. Um, It tells you perhaps about the value of having sizable institutions as opposed to the diaspora. Um, I don't know. But what I do know is the facts, which is that trust in Canadian banks has gone the positive way. So I've given you some facts about trust. I now want to establish that trust, even in Canada in business is fragile. Now, why do I say that? I want to give you three data points. Okay, first, 70% of Canadians believe that as soon as the recession is over, companies are going to go right back to doing what they did before, which may not be such good stuff. So there's big suspicion. Further, Most expect that government will continue to influence financial institutions well into the future. Now here, that won't be any great change. Where I come from, that's a big change. But most of all, I want you to see these charts. Um, When we asked which short-term actions would most help restore trust in business, look at these numbers. Just about 70% across the board for Canadians said fire non-performing management, repay bailout, and reduce the gap between CEO pay and employees. Those are highly positive actions. Joke. You got that. OK, the President, whose numbers are not very good right now. Um, so I told you at the beginning of the speech, and now I'm going to show you, that. Corporate reputation is now premised on very different factors. Three years ago when we asked this question, what builds great corporate reputation in Canada? The answer was, first, quality products and services. Second, an outstanding leader. Third, terrific financial results. Those were numbers one, two, three. Well, look where they wind up now the first that builds corporate reputation is transparent and honest business practices the second is a company I can trust and a third is outstanding products and services the bottom three well down are delivers consistent financial returns then highly regarded CEO and then innovative products what does it tell you it tells you that we basically believe that those last three are an outcome of the first three that if you have a company that is transparent a company that focuses on high quality products that you will deliver the numbers it's no longer enough just to have a showman CEO type you got to actually deliver on those things that matter to people tell them how you do what you do and you're going to win if you keep it to yourself you're going to lose no matter how good your products are it's not enough now I want to also show you an important question um, where the Canadian data varies slightly from the global data but the hypothesis I gave you was we have moved from a shareholder world to a stakeholder world and maybe it's partly because we've been burned in our personal portfolios maybe it's because you know We have realized that um, in order for business to prosper, it has to prove itself in society. Maybe it's some combination of all of those things. But when we ask the question, if a CEO is making a decision, which stakeholder ought he or she pay most attention to, in Canada the most, the biggest group by far was all stakeholders, I can't decide, followed by investors and employees customers at the end across the world generally we found plus 50% of people saying it was all of the above I can't distinguish it doesn't matter to me I, I you know all of them matter equal now just a few more data points about um, this changing nature of trust business has lost the ability to operate unilaterally on issues that matter for global Future example: health, obesity, environment. How do we find this out? Three quarters of people say that they are much more likely to trust a company that partners with an NGO to battle global issues than if the company does it itself. It tells you that civil society is no longer just an option; it is something mandatory for a smart company. Sonia Bader knows this better than anybody. Now where are people going for interesting and credible information this is changing quickly and profoundly somewhat less quickly in Canada than in other markets but still changing quickly the first place they're going for credible information about a company is financial analyst reports and second is articles in business media follow closely by conversations with friends and peers. Remember I talked to you about the horizontal conversation. Then other classic forms of mainstream media, Amanda's favorite, television news, articles in newspaper, TV and radio. But notice that you've got now what I would call a mosaic because just as credible as articles in business magazines, if you can believe it, are corporate communications such as press releases. I never thought that possible, but For all of you PR people, sharpen up your game. Um, Conversations with company employees, just as important as articles in business magazines. Who do you usually talk to last if you're a CEO? Your employees. What's the silliest thing you can do? Talk last to your employees. Why? Because you wind up with websites like deltasucks.com. My favorite website for never ever wanting to fly on Delta Airlines. Every urinal, um, every tire that's a little flat, every pissed-off stewardess, Um, you get Deltasucks.com talk to your employees Uh, you're going to still have Delta Sucks, but it'll be a better product Um, (laughs) notice the rise of social media at the bottom and particularly for the 25's to 34's the totals are 33% in Canada trust free content sources as media I can't remember who I was talking to about this last night, Heather about Wikipedia Wikipedia Content shows up in places you can't believe. It's just assumed to be accurate. It says I have three sons. By the way, I have three daughters. I I, collect, I correct my own Wikipedia page. You know, seriously, garbage in, garbage out. I mean, it, you know, it is the vox populi, but it is accepted. You must consider it. Online search engines. Again, the game for you, if you're a corporate, is you better go to Google and say, okay, so what are they saying about, uh, you know, ITT Corporation or whatever? And if the first 10 citations are from NGOs blasting your water uh, products or whatever, you got trouble. You better help change the conversation and have better content that you're pointing people to. The game's changing. It's a mosaic. It's not uh, anymore a, you know, single broadcast on on CTV or anything else. And I want to point out to you the trends in television radio newspapers and even friends and peers we have a dispersion of authority folks we have a real drop in trust in any individual news source so the drops are much more dramatic in the US and UK France Germany than they are in Canada but the trends are clear the trends are clear dispersion to social media dispersion to friends um, and, and, and company employees away from mainstream media. Actually, Canada is remarkably stable, relatively, in the last couple of years. Now, who's credible? Again, Canada actually is different in this. What I want to point out to you is, more or less, you've got a mosaic in Canada of equality. This is different from the U.S., where chief executives are at 25% credible, and academics and experts are at 55 to 60. In Canada, what you see is academics at 50, CEOs at 40, financial analysts at 50, NGO reps at 50, so da-da, da-da, da so equality. That's the whole idea of mosaic. So if you're relying on your chief executive, rolling him or her out and saying, that's the company point of view, not good. <laughs> not good enough. Get experts, get NGOs on side, work your financial community. You've got to have multiple voices. CEO, supporting cast. Think of it that way. So I just want to show you comparatively for Canada relative to others. Um, eventually this will all come up. Um, just take a look at how different uh, Canada is from the rest of the world and also what a spike CEO credibility had in the last year in Canada. Big jump. <clears throat> from 19 to 39. We've never seen that kind of one-year jump for any one country with a spokesperson. Um, The Canadian CEOs actually did pretty darn well in this crisis, Uh, bank CEOs in particular, relative to some of their peer group in other countries, not to be named, um, but they're in the south, you know know the country. Um, Okay, so um, where am I coming to out of all this? I've told you that trust is up, it's fragile, Um, Trust is now a real line of business if you're thinking about corporate reputation um, that uh, we're in a stakeholder world. But I want to go further than this. I want to suggest to you that um, you really need to be thinking about uh, capitalism 4.0. It's the most interesting thing I heard in Davos. The first phase of capitalism really was Adam Smith. And that phase really in the the minds of, 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 of economic thinkers lasted until the Great Depression. And then we had capitalism 2.0 and a heavy foot of government in business for really, I don't know, a good 50 years, give or take, till Thatcher and Reagan was capitalism 3.0. And that period really lasted for more or less the better part of 30 years. Um, Capitalism 4.0 began September 2008 and the book is still being written. But I think it's about business and society, it's performance with purpose, it's conscientious capitalism, it's philanthrocapitalism, however you wanna talk about it, but it is not this blind rush to shareholder value um, where um, we know everything, you know nothing, <laughs> um, we'll just make profits and you guys will be happy to have your paychecks and you know, big stock dividends. I think that the question of of, um, of capitalism is really still being determined. To what extent, again, where I live, um, will government um, continue to be an investor, a director, or a referee, or a player? Um, I think that there's a lot to be said for the model that is extant in Canada, where there is, is I think, An increasing um, freedom of business from the government um, though within a defined set of rules Um, and that may be a model that uh, all of us can uh, look to. We are urging all of our clients to look at a different way of considering capitalism 4.0 which is public engagement and our way of characterizing it is Advancing shared interests in a world of interdependence. That we are linked, that it is not business silo from government, silo from NGOs, silo from communities. That in fact, we are actually, as business, the best hope for change, but it must be done together, it must not be done unilaterally. Um, and that in fact, if you're able to listen to new voices, if you're able to be smart enough to go where the conversations are happening, not just wait for people to come to mainstream media, to create good credible content um, so that when there's um, a search inquiry on Google about Diane Francis' new book or whatever it is, you've got to have content that you can go to um, that she's written and puts up and then bloggers can discuss it. It's got to be a shared conversation it cannot be we talk at you and then you talk to everybody else and I also would urge on all of you corporates be open advocates if you're promoting the uh, oil sands say I'm here to promote the oil sands here's why it makes economic sense here's what we're doing to capture the carbon you know it's not the perfect thing but it's sure a hell of a lot better than relying on the Middle East for oil um, and th- the last thing I'll tell you is develop new influencers when we look at our health programs Just as powerful as a story in in Newsweek today is a passionate post by a woman who writes uh, uh, her own blog about diabetes, Diabetes Mind, she's got 30,000 diabetics who, you know, read her blog actively every week and she's a thought leader. And you can learn a hell of a lot from, or if you're a corporate, um, you know, influence is dispersed. It's not any longer, you know, the people at the York Club and sitting there, you know, as good as they are. They're probably all in their red leather chairs thinking they still run things. But it's not the case anymore. The world is dispersed. Grab it. So with that, I'd love to take any questions. Thank you. No questions. No questions. Yes. Yes. Over there. um, uh,
3: uh, Um, I was just wondering if um, that trend occurs when there's been a specific incident where a CEO has had a major public profile. Now, obviously, we didn't have um, significant bank failures in Canada. So we haven't had that negative, but we did have Michael McCain who was uh, extremely uh, visible in the press when uh, Maple Leaf Foods had their uh, tainted food story. And I think he was generally very, very well regarded for how he handled it in terms of transparency and whatnot. So I'm just wondering if that particular incident, and it lasted for a number of months, if that would have had an impact on uh, your survey in Canada.
2: I I think all these things are... are, um relative as well. So, um, if uh, there had been an outstanding public official who might have taken up some of that space, you know, that made it harder for CEOs to get so much uh, increase in, in, uh, in trust. But you had no trust incidents that were really terrible um, and you had a couple of examples of CEOs actually stepping up and saying, you know, I'm either going to reduce my compensation or, you know, we're going to take the product off the market because it's not safe or whatever. So I think that's indicative of, of uh, responsible chief executives. So, yes, the answer is to your point, yes. It was good. There was another, John.
4: The question you raise about uh, people worrying about things going back to where they were. Mm. And I'm wondering what differentiates, say, this year from past years that sort of in your mind indicates
2: that maybe we won't go back down that road. I'm going to tell you what makes me optimistic and what makes me pessimistic. I'll start with the pessimistic. Um, I think fund managers are still pushing uh, their um, holdings. In, in a quarterly and even more rapid uh, manner. So that, you know, I want my return, Mr. or Ms. CEO, and I'm not a long-term shareholder. You know, I'm a hedge fund, I'm a whatever. And I think that's a real problem. The capital markets are skewed towards short-term performance. You may disagree or agree, Amanda, but I, that's what everything I hear from my people who I, you know, are I'm friends with. On the positive side, I think more and more chief executives are saying, So what, they don't want to own my stock, too bad. Um, You know, I'm not gonna give a um, uh, quarterly estimate of my earnings, Um, I'm I'm not gonna burn the furniture to make the quarter, Um, and I'm not gonna cut my research budget. So, I I just, I mean, I heard the head of HSBC, of PepsiCo, of, of Tata, they all were sort of lining up to say in Davos, it's a new time. Businesses' role in society. and But but the key point is we're not doing it for philanthropy. We're doing it because green equals green. We're doing it because we have to have a sustainable business model. Okay, so if you think about it, it's always been, well, we'll give some money on the side and keep people quiet. And, you know, now it's it's the Bata model of, you know, we're building a sustainable enterprise, and you know, we're going to employ people, and they're going to make money, and then we can, then they can afford to buy our shoes, and, and, and we're going to manufacture locally, and we're going to invest in schools, and they're going to have good water. And so it's a bigger role and a bigger responsibility for business. But, you know, they'll have customers who are able to uh, be around. Other questions? Amanda.
4: On a specific point on Toyota, um, you said that that, uh, trust and transparency are as important as quality of product. What if you've lost both?
2: You know, it's a very interesting conundrum for a global company in such a strained environment. So the CEO of Toyota is behaving exactly right for a Japanese audience. He's come up three times, he's apologized, he's, he said we're, no we're working as hard as we can on it. And I think for a global audience that works once, not three times. Um, And so, for me, I'm interested in, okay, I get it, you're sorry, you want your products to work, I know that. So, what was the problem? How can I be sure it's not going to happen again? where do we go wrong here? Is it too much electronics in, in the product? You know, which, which supplier failed you? I, even if they don't know that, I'd like to hone in a little bit more on what the nature of the problem is because it seems systemic as opposed to specific, right? Delimit the thing if you can. Um, so what you're sort of really getting to is what would you do if you were me for Toyota now? Um, and I think that, I would designate um, their director of engineering, um, preferably a uh, Western person um, who's Canadian, American, whatever, who says, I'm touring the factories, I'm telling you no car's gonna go out of here until I'm sure it's uh, safe, and I'm in charge, and um, you know, here are the five things I know, because I've already checked them off, and here are the four things I don't know, but no car will be sold until it's right. Something really aggressive like that. Instead of these gauzy ads that say, "Oh, we, you know, we make cars in Kentucky and we make cars are," yeah, so <laughs> I don't care where you make them, <laughs> right? I gotta. I, if I'm driving, it can't like go fast and then you know I go off the road. <laughs> Not a good idea. Questions? Other? Yes.
0: So, where does the change in trust actually translate to increased sales? Because. Um, you look at, in the depression that's happened just now, sales of Walmart have increased and you know, most of those have come from third world countries or other countries where most people don't even know who the manufacturer is. So, in your survey, where does it actually translate into the type of um, products that would be influenced by this trust?
2: So I'm going to give you two answers. Um, Not to be evasive, but they're two correlated. Um, The first is, Survey after survey is indicating that uh, the best talent wants to work for companies that uh, have capitalism 4.0 attitude. Um, and so that's, that's very relevant, particularly recent um, uh, B-School graduates have indicated this. Did you know that uh, two-thirds of the graduating class at uh, Harvard Business School last fall, last uh, summer, signed the MBA oath, which committed them not to maximize individual gain but that they were looking out for their whole company and even more for what's going to be good for society. Go to the MBA oath.org it's a very interesting uh, read. Second um, we do a corollary study uh, called the uh, good purpose study um, which I'm happy to send you if you give me your card um, indicates by a better than two to one margin uh, people are uh, preferring to buy products that um, have a a social value as well as a um, uh, you know functional uh, benefit Um, so I'm a complete believer in this I do think there's a price point issue I think that at some point if and this is according to Walmart um, a product has to be priced within 5 to 10 percent of the other option Um, you can't be 50 percent above but if it's 5 to 10 people will buy the eco brand over the other I hope that answers in as, in as much as possible. Other questions? One last question. Anybody else? Yes.
4: This is a little bit off the presentation, but I think in the data as well, but you can tell me otherwise if I'm wrong. Um, you talked about short-termism as a problem in, uh, in, the, finan- in the financial industry. Yes. And I think it's also a problem in government as well. Yes. So I'm just curious if you could comment a little bit on um, some of the trends you're seeing in trust in government. And, and I know they're down. Um, and uh, perhaps what you see as the drivers of that decline.
2: Well, I, I come from the country that probably has the biggest issue with this right now. Um, and I think the the, the problem for uh, government is the expectation of rapid change um, and bold agenda um, being nibbled to death with uh, you know a thousand small cuts and then all of a sudden you know Massachusetts election and and other things have prevented it uh, from happening. So um, I, I think that the Obama people are. Um, they're bemused by their fall within one year from sainted to, uh, to, to weakened. Um, and I think the secret in communication here is, um, the lessons maybe are do fewer things better. Um, don't be so present. Uh, if you're the boss all the time because people, you lose your power of of convening if if you're too front Um, and and then use again the lessons of this trust barometer are the multiplicity of sources and the multiplicity of spokespeople and so I mean one of the things that I find the most um, difficult to understand for, for Obama is why hasn't he or his deputies Spoken more of the business community because this is a group that well, they didn't necessarily support him, they supported McCain maybe, but you know, they have convening power, they have the ability to, and that just hasn't happened. Um, you have to use this idea of the congregation and, 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 and informing the congregation. And you know, they, the campaign did this brilliantly on mybarackobama.com, and I wasn't. As an early contributor, parts of my family's from Illinois, and I, you know, wrote an early check, and so. But I was constantly getting, you know, emails from from the campaign. Do you know that the day they went into office, that stopped? Why? You had 10 million people, and, and particularly, you know, guys like me, who, you know, who, if you give me material, I will spread it. Example, there's a thing called the Israel Project. I don't know where any of you care about the Israel-Palestine thing, but you know the Israel Project was set up to provide information to those who are so-called pro-Israel and allow them to then repurpose and send along um, with their own views. That's very smart. The White House has to get back to some of that dispersed communication. Um, command and control is not going to work here. It's too dysfunctional in Washington. There's too many sort of sound bites. What's your impression now? It just Your, your, your head's spinning. You can't, you can't absorb it all. Simple. It's simple, but it's also stories from lots of places that touch you individually as much as you can. Okay. That's it.
0: I'd like to ask Amanda Lang to come to the podium, please, Vice President of the Canadian Club of Toronto.
4: Well, thank you so much. It's a great honour to uh, be asked to to thank Richard for this Um, and, uh, in fact, an honour to hear him speak. As you've surmised and many of you know, Richard has uh, the ear of global leaders, uh, both in business and in government and in NGO. Uh, And it's fascinating to get a glimpse inside uh, his thinking on issues. The Edelman Trust Barometer is is an important guide, partly because it's long-term, so we get the sense of the history of this thing. And it's uh, obviously revealing. It's interesting to see that old-fashioned values are back in style. Uh, It's nice that that Canada is back in style, or maybe in style for the first time. Uh, (laughs) It's also, I guess, comforting to know that some things will never change, and that no matter... Who rises and falls in trust? Media will always be at the bottom. (laughs) Richard, we appreciate you being here today. It's a real pleasure. On behalf of the Canadian Club, our thanks.
0: Thanks, Amanda, and thank you again, uh, Richard, for your, uh, for your speaking. Uh, and thank you to all of you for being here today. This concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. Uh, we are grateful to Rogers TV and, uh, and 680 News for their continuing promotion of the Canadian Club events. This meeting is now adjourned. Thank you all. Have a good afternoon.